0: You're listening to the Rodolfo Rivas Project. My dad has had big conversations with other people around the world and here in Geneva. He loves it and he's all crazy about it. Remember to have fun listening to it, the Rodolfo Rivas Project. And so the point of life is to know yourself. So this is basically what we're doing. And then when he was asked, What is the point of um, obstacles in your life? He explained it like this. He said, when you watch a movie, something needs to go wrong in the movie. Otherwise, you'll be bored, you'll not want to watch. It's not going to be a good movie. And if it's a good movie, the obstacle that happens to one of the characters, if it's a good movie, they will have personal growth and they'll in some way change. You know, they will overcome something that they've done or they'll add a skill or lose some grumpiness or whatever the case may be. If it's a bad movie, you know, there will Do be something external mm-hmm. that fixes it. And something that he said is not just movies, also literature. For a moment you identify with that character and you might, may also experience some change and some growth. So this is what we're doing here today. So for the collective good, so that we all can identify with each other and think how we've grown, um, I think this conversation is interesting to people, even though we may not be people of note. Hi, everyone. This is Mareike Smith. This is the Rodolfo Rivas project. But Rodolfo asked me to interview him today and ask him his um, most influential movies, ten of his most influential movies. In today's episode you'll get to know a side of him that you didn't before and I think some jewels on how to live life and approach um, difficult situation. So please enjoy Rodolfo Rivas ten favorite movies.
1: The Rodolfo Rivas project is available on all major platforms or wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. Please help spread the word by recommending us to your friends or your enemies a small act like liking subscribing and or reviewing is greatly appreciated the views thoughts and opinions shared in the conversation belong to the individuals sharing them and do not necessarily represent the views of their employers Hello, Rodolfo. <laughs> Hello, Mike.
0: So you asked me to uh, do the interview today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: It's my pleasure, and I'm going to do it my way, just so you know. <laughs> yes. But it's a kind I'm a of bit a scared. Oh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a follow-up to the one you and I have done before, where you asked me to choose 10 movies um, that was influential in my life. So we're going to do the same today.
1: Yeah, because I, I saw you doing the episode and preparing so well and like, you talked a lot about how it influenced you and I was like, I want to do that also.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> but it is funny, I have to say this. I mean, someone listening might say to themselves, "Wow, two very self-important people who want to speak about <laughs> themselves. And just a shout out to Maria in our office, who very eloquently, when you asked her, did you listen to the episode? And she said, well, it's Marika. <laughs> She's not a person of note. Why would I want to listen to what influenced her? But the thing that I want to say here, and something that I heard in a... uh, a, Well, as we said in my episode, I listened to many, many podcasts. (laughs) I heard in a podcast with Eckhart Tolle, uh, when he was speaking basically about the purpose of life, he referenced an old Greek saying, um, know thyself. And so the point of life is to know yourself. So this is basically what we're doing. And then when he was asked, Um, What is the point of um, obstacles in your life? He explained it like this, he said, when you watch a movie, something needs to go wrong in the movie, otherwise you'll be bored, you'll not want to watch, it's not going to be a good movie. And if it's a good movie, the obstacle that happens to one of the characters, if it's a good movie, they will have personal growth, and they'll in some way change, you know. They will overcome something that they've done or they'll add a skill or lose some grumpiness or whatever the case may be. If it's a bad movie, you know, there will Do be something ex- external hmm. that fixes it. And something that he said is not just movies, also literature. For a moment you identify with that character and you might, may also experience some change and some growth. So this is what we're doing here today. So for the collective good, so that we all can identify with each other and think how we've grown, um, I think this conversation is interesting to people, even though we may not be people of note.
1: Well, I disagree. I think (laughs) everyone is, but yeah, maybe there's something to what you were saying earlier. Maybe there is that over the belief of our importance, but... It's my podcast, (laughs) now you are the host, so if you don't want to listen to it, don't listen to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get started. Um, In any order that you want, chronological or just the first one that you remember, what's one of your first favorite movies that an influence?
1: Well, it's not actually, I think that all of the, well, first of all, what you were talking about, I prepared the list and I thought a, a lot about it. Like, I've been thinking about it for months, so I would change the list and then I would try to think why they're uh, relevant, why are they influential. So it changed a lot. Um, but uh, all of these happened to be favorite movies, but that was not the criteria. The criteria mm. was more how they influenced me. and uh, So it's a bit about that, not, and I think they're all good movies, but that was not uh, objective yeah. and not my favorite, or not good movies per se, but they the, the influenced me. But the one that comes to mind first because I think it's one that I think about a lot, is the second the third no, the third movie? I think the third movie of Paul Thomas Anderson, one of my favorite directors, Magnolia from nineteen ninety nine. And it is an amazing movie. I remember I watched it in my birthday. On my birthday, on my twentieth birthday. So it came out in 1999. I watched it in, February, in April of 2000, and uh, I was just mesmerized by it. Uh, do you know the movie?
0: I've watched it, but probably like a year or two after it came out. But yeah, I loved it.
1: So what? There's many things I love. Actually, I could do a whole episode about this movie alone because it's it's amazing. It's uh, it starts with a. I, I'm not going to go into the the plot points of the movie, but just a few things. The the main story is is a story about many characters, and I think that that is influential to me because um, I think about life as a movie. And usually, you would think that you're you are the hero of your own movie, but this movie is about many people, and I think that that's life. The way I see life is, we're all in a big movie, I don't know who's watching the movie, but if, if God is watching the movie, like this would be what he would be watching, just people interacting with each other, and seeing how things that people think are coincidences actually are things that God planned, and it's just happening all the time, and at a bigger scale, but I think that, not that I would think I, I am God, but I think that this is how, ultimately, I see life as a this is what Shakespeare was talking about, the the world is a stage. I think that he was talking about this. Shakespeare was talking about when it was theater, but I think that this is like the modern equivalent of that. Uh, the movie also has an amazing soundtrack by this uh, female artist, Amy Mann. And basically the movie is an, an adaptation of the soundtrack. Uh, she has like six or seven songs in the soundtrack. And that was... That was what inspired Paul Thomas Anderson to create the movie. He listened to the songs and he just wanted to tell a story around those songs. The movie's not a a musical, but it has this very, very intense musical scene which seems out of place in the movie because the character starts singing and it's a melodrama, but the character starts singing just in the middle of the movie and at first you may be taken away because it's like what, like it sounds a bit jarring with what the movie is trying to tell. But in the other instance, I think that that is also life. Like life is about, uh, it can be about musical instances. And it reminded me about, I like to sing in life. And I, I remember this instance in which I was shopping with my wife. I sing all the time, but in this instance I was just singing a bit louder than... I probably should. <laughs> and there was an old lady who was in front of the queue, and she asked my wife, like, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mind that the, the woman was like, that's not normal. Someone just, like, starts start singing. singing in the middle of cop." <laughs> and my wife is like, yeah, yeah, he does this all the time. <laughs> but this is also a bit of well, the movie, and I don't know if I do the singing because of the movie, but it is... It all feels like connected. Uh, the movie is, uh, is bittersweet, which is also what I think life is. Like life is, comes with moments of sadness and moments of joy. It has all of that together. So it is like someone. A snapshot,
0: mo- a snapshot of what life is.
1: That's what I think. It's yeah. like someone, and also like, it feels very personal to me. Like someone took all of the things that I care about, put them in a blender, just like did the thing and then they served it to me like this is for you rodolfo uh, what do
0: you mean the things you care about
1: personal relationships like how you view about love like how you view art how so you... how
0: do you view love
1: so in this movie most of the stories are about unrequired love mm-hmm. and i think that i view love and you'll see that it's a recurring theme in the in my list uh, when i was when I was growing up, I think that I, I thought that love was like, that is how love was to, supposed to be and required. And I mean, there's, there's also like someone like in love with the other person and the other person not really reciprocating. That's what I, what I mean. So this story has a lot of, of so that.
0: growing up you thought that was what love is about?
1: I don't know if I thought that that was, but that was my experience of love. Okay. I, I was hoping it was not that but <laughs> that is what I grew up like seeing. And there was like some bitter sweetness to that. Like it felt, I mean the characters who were on the other end of the unrequired love, they were not defeated, they were not, uh, they were not uh, suffering. It... The
0: wonder takes it all from ABBA. Have yeah. you heard that song? Yes. Yeah.
1: So it's a bit like that. Yeah. But I mean there was like this, I viewed it like in a romantic way. Like, yeah. I mean that there's also many songs are written about this and regardless, love like I don't know maybe if we do a percentage the majority of songs are about this yeah so the way I don't know if I'm expressing it correctly but I am talking that this movie shared a view that I thought was what part of should, life yeah. yeah
0: yeah because in the end of the day a hundred thousand things need to fall in mind for two people actually to to like each other and be with each other. Anything else from the movie that you...
1: Well, there's so many things. So, it has great performances by great a- actors, Julian Moore, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tom Cruise, I think that he did one of his best performances mm-hmm. in, this, in this movie. And uh, That was also like something that influenced my life, how, how he was showing a different, Person of who he was mm-hmm. to the outside, but that was uh, directly related to a suffering that he had. So the character of the, Tom Cruise? Character, the character that Tom Cruise plays in this movie. Yeah. So he was like this cocky uh, person, like saying like how to dominate women.
2: Yeah.
1: But and the like in the in the end, you see that he was actually just putting this facade to somehow deal with life. And then he made a living out of it. Yeah. But then there's this character who's interviewing him and he breaks him down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that that is, I don't know if we all do it to the extreme that he does. But I yeah. think that we all do that. We all put like yeah,
0: the, facade. the
1: facade to kind of protect us and yeah. to be able to deal with the world.
0: Yeah.
1: I think that in this movie it's done like very well.
0: What's your facade? To the world? (laughs) I
1: don't know. I think that people maybe think that I am... People who don't know me maybe think that I am like this outward, like really person, maybe colorful even. (laughs) And that is maybe a facade that I put because I'm totally not that. Even like talking here with you, it's a bit like sharing a bit about me. And um, so that is a facade that I have to put like even to work like i'm really shy Mm -hmm. just to go out to the world and pretend that i'm not Mm -hmm. that is the facade that i have to put
0: yeah and through movies like this you realize okay it's not just me everyone has some sort of mechanism that they use to go through life
1: yeah so this movie kind of like tells you like yeah like you are you're not alone like other people do it and it's not that bad like we're all we're all like this.
0: Yeah, and you can even, you can even use it to become successful. Um, it's not necessarily to your detriment.
1: Yeah, yeah. actually, I think that those kind of limitations are actually the things that you can draw on to, to build something unique to you and to be yeah. successful. Yeah. In, in your own way. Another thing that I love about this movie is about what I was talking about, the coincidences. So sometimes you think that things happen and they're just random, but they're really not random. At the beginning of the movie, there's this great prologue that talks about how strange happenings in in the world, and it gives like these examples of three cases that would seem like so far fetched, but actually, if you look at them, like maybe they were meant to happen. And that is life, also. Like there's so many instances in which events happen in your life, and they seem so random mm-hmm. and so unconnected. But I think that there's some science to that madness. And if you're able to see those connections, you can maybe only see them like looking back. Back, But uh, I mean, the reason why I'm here in Geneva, talking to you, it's just a series of coincidences that if you would have told me when I was a lawyer in Mexico that you're gonna be in Geneva, uh, talking to someone from South Africa and working in for Israel, I would have been like, that is crazy.
0: Yeah. So what is the major... I mean, what? so what is the coincidences in your life that that, that almost seems far-fetched that happened to get you here?
1: Uh, well, I'm going to talk a bit more about this in other movies, but I think that the fact that I didn't even think of Switzerland as a place that I would even wind up...
0: So it wasn't yeah. your dream to come here?
1: No, not at all. Like, My dream actually was probably going to the US, because I grew up, most of the films in my list are American, like I was so influenced by American culture, that to me, being from Mexico, the natural place, if you wanted to go anywhere was the US, never Switzerland. So that to begin with, like, why Switzerland?
0: So you think it's preordained? Do you believe that God has a plan and these things happen? Or how does it happen? What's your belief?
1: That's a big question, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I go between yes and no, Mm -hmm. but I think that lately I've been thinking that there is like something, I mean I think that there's like some flexibility to play within those things. I don't think that it's like this is what is meant to happen. There's some flexibility that you have like god gives us a playground yeah and it's like it's still okay. your choices you can yeah. go
0: other and c- can go in other directions you think
1: i think so but for the most part i think that it is it is certainly there's a lot to to it that it's already preordained and it's also that we're not completely unique like uh, no i think we are we are all humans and we are is trying to deal with it in the best way that we can yeah.
0: But like there's it's not so easy many. for anyone.
1: No, yeah, definitely. And that is also something that I think that I learned from the movie, the the characters going through, through different difficult things, and you don't always know. Like, I'm thinking right now of a scene with Julianne Moore when she's talking to a pharmacist, and he's, like, he's actually just doing his job, but he's, like, making some assumptions of her life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what we do all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, we make assumptions of people based on... Maybe insignificant things, and yeah. we, we think like, ah, oh, yeah, this person did this, and so this person was actually doing his job. He makes these assumptions of Julianne Moore, and then she, she just like has a breakdown, and he starts insulting him, and he's like, why are you making these assumptions in a very poignant scene? Mm-hmm. And we do that all the time. It reminds me that we shouldn't, or if we if we it's inevitable that we do it, just be kind to people. Don't.
0: Yeah don't act on your assumptions yeah. and be open to, to change your opinions I think so yeah on that note I mean you and I have known each other for how many years
1: uh, seven, a, seven yeah two?
0: and we've been friends for one <laughs> so we must have had some assumptions about each other uh, that we took us a few years to change
1: yeah
0: um In this movie, do you have any more comments?
1: Uh, Well, if no one has watched this movie, if there's people still out there who haven't watched this masterpiece, (laughs) (laughs) they should, like it's uh, like my top movies. This is one of my favorite movies. It's not only one of the most influential, but one of my favorite. And objectively, I think it's a, a masterpiece.
0: Yeah, I remember watching it and loving it, but I was probably 14 or 15. So I don't remember it that well. Yeah. but I just remember being really impacted by it. Yeah.
1: And he made it, the director, he made it when he was so young, which is also something that I find amazing because the movies filled like with this, all of these that I told you are things that he probably was thinking about to fill it with all of these things. To do that, I imagine that you had to be, you had to have a life and yeah. be wise and be experienced. Yeah. And he was not because he was really young. But
0: But I feel like some people are just born like that. Like they have some knowledge within them that is just innate to them. They don't need to live a long life to be able to, um, and also to express it to other people because that's a separate gift, yeah. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he did an amazing job in this movie and it's a movie that I do love, but it's a movie that is difficult to watch also yeah. because it, it does take a toll on you. Like, it's not an easy movie to... Yeah. If you are, like, focused on the movie, you feel the pain, so...
0: Yes, I remember that, actually.
1: So, like, it's not like you should watch it, like, every so often because it does take a toll on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I should watch it again as a grown-up. It (laughs) might be different.
1: So, the next one?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) The next one is a bit... uh, So, that one was a bit intense. Uh The next one is a bit... Uh, intense in its own way, but it's a bit different. It's lighter. Forrest Gump mm-hmm. from
2: 1994,
1: mm-hmm. uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, and it seems like the one-two punch of uh, Tom Hanks. He had one for Philadelphia, uh, the best Oscar, best performance. And this was the, the second one. Um, this movie, I, I watched it so young, 1994. And it's so influential because... As I told you, growing up, I imagined that I would go to the U.S. A lot of it comes from this movie, because this movie talks about U.S. culture in a way. I think it's the best ambassador for U.S. culture that you could ever think of, because it talks about the U.S. in this romantic way, about the American dream of what you can accomplish. And you can see that like through all of the, the characters, but specifically uh, the character of Forrest Gump, who is... In all of these key moments in American history, he's, apparently he taught uh, Elvis Presley how to dance. He was there, where he was in Vietnam. He was giving this speech. Uh, he met all of the presidents, and you see all of this in the movie. He created his own company from nothing. Uh, he was one of the shareholders of Apple, before Apple was Apple. In all of these key moments, and that's what I thought the U.S. was, like the place where... If you work hard and you're lucky, you can accomplish anything. And that's how I pretty much run my life, like uh, thinking that if you devote to doing uh, something good and you work hard enough on it, and there's also a bit of luck involved, but if you all of that happen, you can do something. Mm-hmm. It all comes from this movie. Uh, I mean, it was reinforced later, but it, with other things, but I think that I can find the route
0: to this movie. But don't you think on the one hand, believing something is preordained, on the other hand, believing if you work hard, anything can happen for you or contrast
1: yeah they are contradictions they
0: are contradictions
1: but that is yeah unfortunately, uh, I think that that is part of the human condition to be contradictory
0: <laughs> but you either believe the one or you believe the other
1: but I told you sometimes you sway between one and the other yeah i because if you if you i think that depends on the circumstances and, and on the situation and how many drinks you've had how <laughs> long <laughs> well life
0: is going yeah
1: <laughs> but i mean i think yeah i mean you, you pointed out a, a contradiction that i i don't have a good answer
0: and also you see the life of what is the the his best friend growing up um, i mean she has this terrible Jenny. yeah she there's abuse and and it seems like no matter what she does, she's just going down a certain road that you do not want to be in. The contradiction of the two lives are also pretty stark.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and actually that is something that you telling me right now. I didn't really focus so much on her story, me watching it, because I was focusing on the story of Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, I don't know if it's because you're a woman or
0: no I don't think so This is (laughs) part of the story
1: (laughs) (laughs) but to me like and also like what I was talking about unrequired love there's also a bit of unrequired love Forrest like he loved Jenny yeah and Jenny sometimes like took advantage of him in certain circumstances but I think she also loved him and I think that she only realized that after after her difficult life and she was like Forrest was there all along and uh, maybe like maybe that's what love is for her
0: Yeah, talking about the man and the woman, the other day I heard um, an interview with a guy, Judiah Jenkins. His parents walked across the US and they wrote books about it. And the character of Forrest Gump is loosely based on the husband. Uh, That whole scene of him running across. the. um, But the interesting thing is, his wife did it with him. They didn't. And they were, before Forrest Camp, they were both famous for this. They literally, people would pick them up in limousines and they were a rich family and then it died down after a divorce, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then his story was picked up in Forrest Camp and he became famous again and the woman was uh, forgotten. Just the way you forgot Jenny.
1: <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that I, no, and maybe what I said was wrong. It's not that I forgot about her, but her then story, was, on not, her story. Her story was not on, so impactful on, story. on me.
0: Yeah. No, I'm joking. But yeah, that is also interesting. Um, The way society... How we focus on different characters. And when we watch a movie, how we focus on different characters that we identify with. Yeah. So you identified with Forrest Gump because you wanted to have that impactful life?
1: Not so much that I wanted to have... I don't know if my dream was to have an impactful life, but... I just, you're giving a set of things like, for example, apparently they say that Forrest Gump was not smart. Like, I kind of disagree, maybe he is smart. But, like, he had, like, a set of tools that were given to him when he was born. And he made the best use of it, like, even better than some people who had maybe arguably better tools. That was the, what I took of it, like, you're given something when you're born, you have, you're born in certain circumstances, and you have to make the best of it in the best way that you can. No. That is what I took of it. And the belief that if you do good and you work hard, that you, you'll get something in return.
2: Yeah.
1: And you were talking about running, that maybe that's something that only came late, but actually I'm so inspired by him because he also, like, in the movie, he didn't, he just started running. And yeah. that's pretty much what I started doing that last year. Which would have been something unthinkable before, as it was probably for him.
0: You were just walking, and then you're like, "I'm gonna yeah. run."
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. If they yeah. if they ever do the movie of me, it's gonna be like that. Just walking, and they start running.
0: What happened? What happened in your brain when you were you believed I can't do this, I can't run, and then there was a switch, and you started running.
1: So it was. I remember going to the doctor and the doctor telling me, because I was heavier, the doctor telling me that running is not a sport that is good on the knees. And he didn't really see anything wrong with my knees, but he just, I guess, assumed that I was heavy and thought, like, if you're going to do a sport, don't, don't do that. That is actually not advisable to do because of the knees. So in my mind was like, oh, yeah, I guess I can't run because I have weak knees, even though I hope I don't have, but maybe I don't. So I just was like, maybe... I kept seeing everyone running. My wife, my kids, you were running. Everyone was running and I was like, why can't I run? Mm -hmm. Just like, maybe I can. That was Mm -hmm. it. I was like, yeah, maybe I can. And I did it.
0: Yeah. So you lost the shackles. Yeah. Like the self-imposed... Because we sometimes have it. Self-imposed limitations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And actually that's also... Even before when I lost the weight, it was like... uh, I believe that no, I cannot, I cannot lose weight because I've yeah. tried before mm-hmm. and I failed. Mm-hmm. But something when I did start losing weight was just different and it was not actually that difficult. Yeah. I wish it would have been difficult because then maybe like it could justify why I didn't do it for, for, for so long. Many years.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were probably just not ready. I mean, it was just some mind shift that needed to happen. And it's a good lesson to learn for for the rest of your life. Just because something is a certain way at that moment, it can change.
1: Yeah. And I think that that is what this movie is yeah. about.
0: And it's not necessarily just pure self-will. You don't have to uh, be angry with yourself for not being able to change everything at any moment. At some point, things will be ready and you'll be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, because sometimes maybe... Had I been able to do it before, I wouldn't have been able to maintain it or was not mentally prepared to accept it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's also another thing, to accept it. It's also sometimes difficult to accept your good luck. Like if you, for instance, grew up with a friend, you see the one going down a terrible path. I actually have such a friend who, who died of drug abuse and you go on and you have a good life. There's this survival guilt. Survival
1: guilt, yeah. of
0: why me, why can I do this? And it's hard to sometimes accept good things happening to you.
1: Yeah, and actually, like, I, I guess that happens to everyone. Like, you always compare yourself to other people. When I was going in school, I was in a private school, the American school, and everyone seemed to have, like, they were financially better off than me, and I always had, like, that thing in the back of my head, like, why we don't have that? Mm-hmm. and I was like always comparing myself in that regard. Uh, maybe looking at it from the other perspective, but I don't know if that's helpful. Like survivor 's guilt or also the other. Yeah. Like, I don't know if either one is helpful.
0: I think comparing is only helpful if it inspires you to take action that will be beneficial to you. But comparing for the sake of comparing and feeling that it should have been you, and this contained um, yeah, there's no use in that,
1: and I think that when I realized that that uh, the American school brought me this, like maybe I should focus my efforts on trying to do good is like the way that you're talking about, like I look at it from a positive way, and mm-hmm. it inspired me, yeah. But I guess it can go either way.
0: Yeah, and you flip each day. One day you're inspired by something, and another day you're in a bad situation, and you're just not in no mood to be happy or inspired, and you'll just be discontent. But again, nothing lasts forever, so that can change again, can flip again the next day.
1: Humans are contradictory by nature, like you were talking about. (laughs) Also, this. The last thing that I want to say about this movie is that uh, it also has a great soundtrack. Like of American classic songs mm. that uh, I think it was probably one of the first soundtracks that I, it was a two CD album with all of these classic songs that I was listening to nonstop because it was amazing. Like uh, songs like California Dreaming, Respect, uh, Blowing in the Wind, which has a uh, Jenny performs it in, in oh, the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's an amazing soundtrack.
0: Yeah, so that's the soundtrack of your life
1: up to that point I mean I always gravitated towards classic songs yeah. like classic rock songs specifically from the 60s and 70s which I think were like the best uh, uh, songs and my daughters are always saying that it's like all this but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like those songs but uh, I like my taste in music is eclectic and mm. it goes but yeah like I have a soft spot for that
0: yeah very good to, um... Actually, you were just saying that he showed Elvis how to dance. Did you see the the Elvis, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, Elvis uh, movie? Yeah, I saw. And bo- he started da- dancing in the when he went to the to the uh, the gospel sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing, also.
1: Yeah, that movie is also good. Yeah. And I also watched uh, recently Priscilla, which is uh, another take oh, of yes. Elvis. Yeah. But. It's directed by Sofia Coppola, but it's more focused on the relationship between Priscilla Presley and Elvis, and when he met her, which was a bit uh, controversial because yeah. she was too young. But uh, both perform, and this is amazing, though, both performances of Elvis are really good, but they're very different. Because
2: mm.
0: uh, yeah. I have no memory of Elvis, because I obviously we didn't live at this time left. My, my understanding of him is through movies so whoever has an interpretation of him and that's also the interesting thing about movies it's, I was watching the documentary on World War II on Netflix the other day and I was thinking I grew up learning about World War II so when I watch that my understanding of what I'm seeing is through the filter of what I learned in history books when I was a kid which might be different from what you learned But probably a 20-year-old now watching that, or a 15-year-old, I think they do not probably read the same history books as we have. So they have a different understanding and worldview of the World And things are also
1: colored by the times that we live in.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting how literature, the movies, documentaries and everything actually shapes our understanding of the world. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: And this is something that we talked about, you and me, for... We've talked about this. But also another thing that I wanted to mention about that is that who is to say that maybe Elvis was all of that? Yeah. Maybe Elvis was like this flamboyant person as represented in Baz movie, but he was also like this sweet kind of lost child as represented in Sofia Coppola's movie. That's yeah. also who we as persons are. We're not just one thing, we're many things.
0: But it's also it could also be the same thing that we're speaking about today. We are we present in one way and we feel a different way in our inner thoughts. And we are both those things. Yeah. Yeah. In the next movie.
1: <laughs> okay. So I don't know the order that I'm doing, but the next one is Great Expectations from 1998. Mm-hmm. The version directed by. Um, Cuaron, Alfonso Cuarón, a Mexican filmmaker and shot by Emanuel Lubezki, a Mexican cinematographer. This movie is amazing. <laughs> Have you watched this movie? Yeah. What do you think?
0: Well, I actually think, I mean, my first, I love Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs>
0: and I love, and something about her... Well, it's in, in the book itself also, I guess, but the way she portrayed... What's the name of a uh, Stella. Stella. The way she portray- portrayed Stella, this, this almost stoic person, and they don't believe in love, and things do not work out, and she looks fabulous, she's dressed fabulous, but she's also kind of a hurt little girl inside. This is kind of how I see a woman, and how I felt. I wish I could be as fabulous as her, but that's what I. When I was watching that, I was like, "Yeah, that's probably me." <laughs> but yeah, and
1: and you see, I was identifying with with Pip, which in the movie it's called Finn because they changed the name.
0: Yeah, but and you also see yourself as a sort of artist, right? I, which I've never done. I don't see myself as as an artist, and I also didn't grow up in a in a little with with you know with. I can't remember what is. Uh
1: Miss Havisham. Miss Havisham?
0: No, I'm t- talking about where Pep grew up with his sister. And
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, like, that's why you, ident- I don't know why you identified with Winnie Spectrum. Yeah, she's it's amazing. The fashion, a
0: fashionist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but bigger than that, Great Expectations is based on, like you mentioned, the story, the novel by Charles Dickens. And there have been many adaptations of of the story, this is like a modern take on, on that, and it does take a lot of the plot points of the, of the book, but it changes a lot, it changes the setting, the time, uh, also some characters, but of all stories and all movies and all books, everything, one of the characters that I've constantly, or at least at that point in my life and for many years, identified with is, is Philip, Philip Pirip, Pip. Like I see myself reflected in Pip. I saw myself then and even now. He's probably the character that I identify the most. And this movie, I, I, I read the book. I read the book in school. They forced us to read the book in, in school. I hated it back then. Really? Yeah, I, did, I mean, because it was like an assignment. I didn't yeah. really like it. Yeah. Then years later I watched the movie and I read again the book and I saw it in a different light mm. and I started and like I'm people like Charles Dickens is writing about me. Why? I felt I was him because I mean I it's not that I grew like in the same situation as him but I always felt like I was out of place mm-hmm. like I was not where I...
0: Well be- you came from a background where not an opulent background yeah. and then you went to a school where people lived in a different way than you grew up, which is basically what he did when he went to go sketch. Exactly.
1: So when I was reading this book, like uh, maybe, I don't know if at the time I, I kind of saw it, like it's talking about me and I rejected it, but I remember talking to my friends and they didn't really understand it that way. So maybe I rejected because of that, and I was like, no, 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 he's not me, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but then later I was like, oh, it's me, because I was out of place. Also, like he, he in the movie, he, I think, he, in the movie you mentioned he's an, an artist. I always thought of myself as an artist. I like to think of myself as an artist. In the movie, in the book, he's not an artist, but he's uh, a lawyer, I think. Um, so there's that, and he also had like, a benefactor. I've had uh, a few benefactors in my life. Um, when I went to study to the US, like some people uh, gave me some loans to be able to go. And I felt a bit like, oh my God, this is like, yeah, this is like, pe- like, like people who were like, I believe in this person. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna help him because I think it's something good. It was my wife. My, a couple of my best friends then they lent me money, which to me was like, that is crazy that, that you would even consider it. Yeah. But it's a bit like that, like, it's talking about Pip. And also the unrequired love again of Pip for, for Stella. Yeah. But in this case, it was her kind of raised by Miss Havisham. In the movie, she's called differently but it's interpreted by Anne Bancroft. She basically just raised her again, like to to kind of like do what she couldn't do. Like she got her heart heartbroken, so she was gonna do that to other people. Yeah. And she raised her that way. Yeah. So Stella couldn't really do otherwise because this is what what she was made to be. Made to be. Yeah. But Fair I think aside. that she does she does love people. Uh, throughout the story. There's a couple of scenes that I love, like the scene where they kiss in the fountain when they were mm-hmm, kids mm-hmm. and then where they're grown grownups. Yeah. When he's drawing her, uh, that's amazing. He also has, again, an amazing soundtrack, but one of the songs that I love is uh, by Chris Cornell. Uh, amazing, sun, Sunshine.
0: Mm, I can't remember, but I know it. yeah.
1: It's an amazing song, mm-hmm. and the photography is amazing. Everything is green, like, so lush, so... Yeah,
0: if she even wears this green outfit at some point. It's yeah. beautiful.
1: When, when they kiss in the, exactly. in the uh, fountain. At the, fountain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. the other thing that I, I remember that struck me is you, when you watch the movie, you keep on thinking, and you can see it through Pip's eyes also. He keeps on thinking, it will change. She will change. She will overcome this thing. And she never does, if I remember correctly. She never does. And in a way, we do this in life too. We see someone, we keep on thinking, no, they will, they will love me. Or they love me, but they will. we keep on believing something about people around us that's not necessarily true. Yeah. Do you live like that? Or you see people you think, if someone tells me who they are, I believe them.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think that you like what you were saying earlier, like you have some ideas of some people and you make your own mm-hmm. assumptions, even if you probably shouldn't, but you do. Yeah. But I do I do like to think that I try to see the best in people. And like we said, like people are so multidimensional and so different that they're not they're not just one thing, they're many things.
0: Yeah, because but you mentioned for Forrest and for him now they both didn't get the girl they loved. Yeah. And for both, you said, yeah, but the girl loved them.
1: <laughs> well, that's what so I want that, to do. And
0: that makes you feel like, then it's okay? Or what is it that, why is it that you mention that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, is
0: that something for you in your life that you're like?
1: I guess. It, it reminds me of another story, The Orchid Thief, uh, where there's these two characters played by Nicolas Cage and there's uh, one of the characters who said like, but why do you love her? Like she, she doesn't love you. And he said like, yeah, but like the way she makes me feel like she can't take that away from me. That's, that's me. And whatever she does, she cannot take that away. She loves me or she doesn't love me. <laughs> that all, always stuck with me. Uh, and I don't know if this is answering your question, but I guess that when you are in a relationship with a person, you can not control anything. You can only control you and what you feel. So if you like to, if you want to see the good in the person and believe that it's reciprocal, or even if it's not reciprocal, it still does something for you, I guess that's, mm-hmm. that's how it is. And I guess that all comes from great expectations. Yeah.
2: from
1: <laughs> From Forrest Gump. But having said that, I do think that they had something. Even if it was not exactly what, what they would have liked, what Forrest and Pip would have liked, they probably would have preferred to be together all, all along. Mm-hmm. But still, their story is, is a, it's a love story, I think.
0: That's true, you're right.
1: They were, maybe they wouldn't have liked the other, I don't know, if they if they would have been together, maybe it wouldn't have been great.
0: Yeah, also, I mean, love stories, We many times we think a love story is the chase of the, you know, the part we watch on TV is usually the time it takes for someone to get together and then we think, okay, that's it. Now they're together and love forever, but that's not how love stories work. So this is its own type of love story. Yeah. It's just not coming together ever. And I
1: do seem <laughs> to be drawn to, to this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. Mm-hmm. When, let me see, ah, another thing that I wanted to mention about this movie is that it was influential in that it was a Mexican director working in in Hollywood, which to me was amazing. Like I didn't because at one point I, I thought that I would be a filmmaker. My father thought otherwise. But seeing these directors work in Hollywood in the biggest industry was like, yeah, maybe it is it is possible. At
0: this point you were already studying law?
1: 1998 so I started I started the next year but it was still and and I'll talk about another movie that's a bit more influential in this sense but at this point I didn't completely think it was possible it was like okay maybe for a select few Mm. that can do it but it was still amazing to see a Mexican director with a Mexican cinematographer working at the top of their game in an American movie that Mm -hmm. was something that before I would have thought it was unthinkable.
0: They were making movies in Mexico before this?
1: Yeah, they did one, but uh, this was their second movie. They,
0: so there the... was a thriving um, like movie making machine in, yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. And you didn't think, okay, I could just be part of that?
1: <sighs> yeah, but most of the people who were doing this were people who came from wealthy background. Mm. So for example, I remember reading about Guillermo El Toro, another of my favorite directors, who he's from my city, from Guadalajara. I remember, I mean, his family is well known and they had money and they were able to finance some of his yeah. things. Most of these people had like some of these, or they came from these aristocratic families. And I thought like, well, yeah.
0: it's not for exactly. it's not
1: for everyone. It's not for me, for a certain few.
0: Yeah.
1: So even though it was there, I didn't think I was, I was in, in that circle.
0: Yeah, and that way I suppose Mexico is different from the US where the American dream where if you work hard, you do something, it will come to you. There are still societies where... Yeah,
1: and I don't know if it is entirely true, but that's at least the way I perceived it back then.
0: Yeah, that's why it's important to have in your country, even even if the American dream isn't real, it's not true that you work hard and you'll get something. Because it has its downsides, because it also means that if you work, if you do not get something, you probably didn't do enough to get it. It doesn't deal with the fact that sometimes things, society is set up in such a way that you can't get there. But at least you have kids growing up thinking it's possible. Yeah. Whereas if you have a society where they don't create this, let's say fiction, kids grow, grow up and think they're stuck where they are.
1: And this is something that I tell my daughters all the time, like, you can do anything that you want, like, anything that you want is not impossible. I don't know if it's actually true, (laughs) because I've seen it in my own life and experience, but I think that that belief is good to have to drive you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I haven't spoken to my kids about this yet, but I think what I will say to them is that someone's going to do it, someone's going to get that that prize, or someone's going to play in that team or make that movie. It could be anyone, and there's no reason it's not going to be you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, the next movie: <laughs> Before Sunrise. Uh, another movie with Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. uh, from 1995, directed by Richard Linglater, with Ethan Hawke and uh, Julie Delpy. They, the three of them co-wrote the story. Have you watched this?
0: Again, I watched it when I was much younger, but I do remember it.
1: So this movie was so influential because it was... I think that this is what gave me the idea of what Europe was. Because it was like so European. And when I first came to Europe, I was in Spain and it was not like Vienna. (laughs) Spain was not like Vienna. So I was like, this is not Europe. This is fake Europe. (laughs) But... The, the romantic idea of what Europe was, I think I took from this movie. Like the streets, the cobblestones, like the old buildings. Like. What
0: women was like.
1: I don't know if that, I mean, I didn't, for me it could have, Julie Delpy, she was French, but for me it could have been just like anyone. Yeah. The interesting part about that was just the connection between two strangers mm-hmm. in a train. Like just uh, something like someone meet someone, They have nothing in common and they just start like a conversation and they spend like a whole day together. That was amazing. And I would have never I was not the kind of person I don't think I am the kind of person that would strike a conversation with a stranger.
0: Yeah.
1: But at least I always thought like maybe it is possible. And if I thought that it was because of this movie.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean this this encompassed for me the very romantic idea we have of relationships and, and love. I think I've said this to you before, like, our idea shaped by movies and literature of love is you see someone on the train, they're reading the book that you like. They just have a little smile that you think is interesting. They seem a bit naughty, but also very serious. And that's enough. That's enough for you to think this is the person that is everything on earth. yeah, and I should say for good or bad, because I'm not sure. We base our ideas of someone. Yeah, that's romantic true. for bad also. Yeah. Maybe
1: more for bad. <laughs>
0: because the person that's really for you could be sitting across from them, just staring out the window, and they seem really boring. <laughs> like, and you would, and if they speak to you, you're going to ignore them. Yeah.
1: But talking about this movie, so, I mean, Julie Delpy is beautiful, but that was not even what attracted me to mm-hmm. her character. Uh, it was that she was like so smart mm-hmm. like they have like this intense con- connection talking about they talk about philosophy they talk about art they talk about love they talk about relationships. they talk about everything in a span of 24 hours that is like what I thought like wow, that's that is what what it should be mm-hmm. like just someone that you can talk about anything and they have something interesting to say, and they look at things in a different way that you would. Yeah. So that was amazing. Uh, the conversations that they had, like I remember, just like kept driving me, like, "Oh my God, this is amazing! Like, I I wish I could think like that."
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's what you aspire to be. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then in the, in the sequels, like you see how their relationship evolves, and the sequels are good, but this movie, to me, was like maybe that's what a relationship should be like and in this one it was not that it wasn't required it was more the circumstances that
0: yeah because he was. they were in vienna she had to take take a flight or something she and got
1: then, to see her grandma i think yeah and uh, then they
0: said they'll meet each other there one,
1: in one year in
0: one year at the same in yeah. the same park yeah so there's a sequel so they did meet again
1: the, you have to, uh, if you haven't watched it there's two sequels oh Actually, kind of like
0: the fact that no one knows. No <laughs> yeah, actually,
1: actually, that's one, that was one of the reasons why they held back from doing it for many years. Because yeah. they thought that the idea, for some people, they met, and for some people, they didn't meet. Yeah. So they didn't want to mess with that. There's yeah. two sequels. And the two sequels, I think that mark different stages in their life and also like in my life, because the way that you see them mm-hmm. kind of also reflects the stages that you go in your life.
0: Ethan Hawke is also a very interesting. Okay, also because he's now already in two movies that you.
1: Yeah, and, and actually that's kind of amazing. Like there's certain things that I, there's directors that appear in my list several times. There's actors that appear several yeah. times, and I didn't even realize this
0: Yeah, because you wouldn't think of Ethan Hawke as. I mean, I know he was, especially in those in that era, it was he was, very popular. But it's like he disappeared a little bit, and I think he's kind of back now. And and I, I have listen to interviews with him. He's a very serious. The way that I think he appeared in this movie is the way that he is in real life. Like a yeah. very serious person interested in many different things and um, I think he made documentaries yeah, now yeah, recently. Yeah. He
1: made a documentary on um, this actor What's his name uh, uh, Paul Newman. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And actually an what you were talking about like he wrote this with Julie Delpy and the director yeah. and I think that I think I agree with you, I think that the characters are a bit autobiographical yes. in that sense. Yeah. They took a lot from, from their own, yeah. or oh, Julie Delpy and him. Yeah. But yeah, this movie, like uh, I remember the first time I watched this movie, most of the movies here, I watched them at the cinema, but this one I watched on TV. And I, I stumbled upon it like in cinema, Golden Choice. Like, I started watching it even after it had begun, which made it even more interesting because I'm like, how, how did these people meet? Yeah. Like, and they started talking. And that's also like its own thing. Like I felt like I was predestined to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of like in the radio when you just like, a song comes up and you just like, what's that song? Like that movie like seemed to be speaking to me as like, ah, yeah. like it's a movie about me.
0: <laughs> but it's interesting. I feel that in the 90s, 2000s, our generation the movies we watched and the, move, the, the people that we wanted to be like, it was those type of characters that, w- that were created for us. Because I think in today's movies, it's not the same character, this character that's very serious, that can speak about anything. I love Gilmore Girls, you know I do, and I think you also watched it. And one of the um, characters is Jace, this bad boy. And he walks around with a book in his pocket. Like Whenever you see him, he's got a book in his pocket and he's always re- reading it. So it's this brooding, very smart person who loves uh, cool music, cool clothes. They don't care too much. They don't care too 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 much or too little about themselves and their appearance, but just the right amount. And very smart, they can speak about anything. Yeah. Today, you see a TikTok person, and I mean, I don't think those elements are even in there. I don't think your daughters are growing up thinking that is the, the perfect person. This is who I should aspire to be.
1: No, they're not, and that's why I actually, like, I make a point to show them for good or for bad. Yeah, because mo-
0: why? Why that person? <laughs> why that person? Yeah, is that going to be a success- successful person in the future?
1: Yeah, or yeah, I don't know, the... but that's like what I grew up so thinking that was how a balanced, uh, interesting person should yeah. be, and that's what I want to transmit. I don't know if that's the best, but that's what I know. Yeah. The next movie, uh, A Few Good Men, from 1992, directed by Rob Reiner, who will also appear in my list again. So this movie, I'm practically a lawyer because of this movie. <laughs> also, John Grisham, uh, I read many of his books at the time. I was reading a lot, John Grisham. There was also TV series about uh, lawyers like Ali everyone. Ally McBeal. Ali McBeal by is, David. Which was felt e. like a
0: spoof to me. Yeah, so always when cool. you say you were, this is the reason I was like, this is very strange. No,
1: but <laughs> not like, so much Elimabril, more of the other, because David E. Kelly, the showrunner of those, who's yeah. the husband of Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. and who now is doing the kind of a revival of these old movies, old TV shows, in Netflix with uh, Lincoln Lawyer. Mm-hmm. So Lincoln Lawyer, I like it because it's like a throwback to yeah. that, that time. The other show that he did was The Practice, yeah. Which was a series uh, about criminal lawyers.
0: Yeah,
1: I like that one better than Ali McBeal, But Alan McBeal was like the kind of like the odd, like odd, weird uh, yeah. thing, which I also liked. I'm like, oh, this is this is pretty cool.
0: Maybe you want to be, be a both. lawyer. You want to be a quirky lawyer. Yeah, no, I <laughs> wanted
1: to be. I wanted to be one. I wanted to be Dylan McDermott in the practice.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but. I also wanted to be Tom Cruise in A Few Good Men. Yeah. Because he's like this cocky lawyer, like very talented, obviously. He just puts the minimum effort that he can and he still like uh, gets everything that he wants. But he's also being compared to his father. Like everyone's talking in the in the movie about like, ah, yeah, your father was a great lawyer. And he kind of like doesn't want to live in the shadow of his father. Even though he himself is a good lawyer, but he doesn't want to go into that playing field because he's like, no, 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 I'm my separate person. Mm -hmm. So that I kind of like uh, is written by Aaron Sorkin, who wrote uh, The West Wing and uh, The Social Network. So it has like this dialogue that is amazing. And that's how I imagine lawyers talking.
0: Oh, so, because sometimes when you say, you watch these things and that's why you decide to become a lawyer, what about it? attracted you to the profession? Because there's a difference between watching a movie and thinking this is a good movie and watching the movie and seeing the profession and thinking this is a profession I want to be part of. Is it, was, was it the fast talking? The, I mean, what about it attracted you to yeah, the, so the profession? I think
1: that the, like the interesting lives and things that they would do, even if what they paint of what a lawyer is, is not accurate, like just thinking like, oh, I want that life. I want like, I want to talk that way. I want to dress that way. I want to be that way. I, I want to be dealing with these subjects. At the time, I think that, at least for me, being a lawyer was exclusively within the criminal law, because mm. I think that that's maybe one of the most exciting parts of being a lawyer, but it's also very difficult. So like I thought, like um, oh, that's maybe what I can do. Like I can be uh, saving people's lives. Yeah. But it's all, it's all together. And on top of that, it is a good movie. So yeah. when it's all of that and it's presented in a thoughtful, well-directed way, it's, it's attractive.
0: So then when you became a lawyer, what did you think? How then did it compare to your image? It was, like, it was fake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what, I mean, the, the, in the movie, like the character of Tom Cruise, he's dealing with one single case for months. Yeah. I don't know if that's the reality. In reality, you...
0: I think you'll be a starving lawyer if yeah. you do <laughs> So you have
1: to do many things. You have to do administrative work, which Tom Cruise doesn't really do. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just like traveling, he's going to Guantanamo to interview people and doing like, like, oh, this life is amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah. And
1: he's looking amazing while doing it. He's playing softball. Uh, he, like, there's a scene where he's like thinking and he's like, I need, I need my bat. And he goes for his bat, and he like starts thinking like closer. Uh, I think that that also inspired me. Like, uh, ah, like I need like my little gimmicky thing to <laughs> to do like Tom Cruise had.
0: So you can still do that. You can still aspire to that type of love. You don't. I mean the fake part yes there is a fake part like lawyers it's not glamorous but all the things that you actually like about the movie you can still incorporate yeah. them in your life and I think you're doing it
1: I to try start. to Yeah. I don't know if I succeed but yeah I mean and I think anyone can do it Like they, but that only came later because I only after having like I don't know if a successful career, but at least I was in the career. I was already doing what I was doing. I had the confidence to do what I yeah. what I do.
0: And also, I think because I think after a while, especially if you're out of your 20s, you realize life is not that serious. It's yeah. really not that serious. You can just have fun doing it. And then you can spot and pick and choose things that you like around the world and movies. Just do it for the heck of it, for fun.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And another thing, I didn't know if I wanted to do this, but I actually remember some of the lines of Jack Nicholson that he delivers in his monologue at the end. Have you watched this movie?
0: Yes, but yeah, many years ago. (laughs)
1: So he says like, let me try, I don't know if I, okay, I'll try to see if I remember it. Yeah. His monologue.
0: (laughs) I'll fact check this after (laughs) it, let me write it down.
1: So He says like, son, we live in a world that has walls and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. I have a great responsibility that you can fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury, the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, saves lives, and my existence, while incomprehensible, saves lives. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's it.
0: So this really comes down to you're safe and you're fine and you look at other people's lives and, or what they're doing, their responsibilities, and you have an opinion on it, but you're fine in your little corner. And yeah. You don't really know.
1: Yeah, that is what Jack Nicholson is telling him. He this guided him to do a terrible thing, mm-hmm. which was wrong. But yeah, this is what he's telling you. You don't have to think about these things. Yeah. Which is Yeah, the luxury of yeah. not
0: having to think about these things. Yeah. Because I have to. Yeah. You know that this is one of the things in life that bothers me a lot. <laughs> People who are safe and with no problems or obstacles, looking at those who have them. And Saying, oh, they should have done this. They should do it this way. They should do, they should do it that way. So, you you saw this and this influenced your way of thinking. So you look at other people. Well, actually, and you realize I don't have all the information. I don't understand their situation. No,
1: no, I wish I wish I would have had the foresight to think that. I just thought it was a cool moment. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but like this certainly was very influential later on. Yeah. Like, but only when I started dealing with topics and questions that maybe. They're complex and some people don't know the full story about them. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this was i wish. I, I <laughs> could tell you that, yeah, I knew it back then. When but I was 12 years old. You,
0: at least you um, memorized it, so. Yeah, I memorized
1: fun. it. and I'm surprised that I, I mean, I i just had to go back to it, but yeah, like, I memorized it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is a cool line. And Jack Nicholson's, of course. Yeah
1: actually like 100%. i was I was watching a story about uh, the first time where he delivered the uh, this monologue in a table read, and apparently he delivered it like at the table read at ninety percent already of what it was in the movie, yeah, which is amazing, only someone like him can yeah. Can do that
0: and can pull it off yeah. most people would be too embarrassed to do it and he is just i, am, I
1: was embarrassed just now
0: yeah i saw it there today <laughs> and you kind of you were you were in it and then you kind of lo- lost heart a little <laughs> bit but the weird thing about jack nicholson is you look at him and he's a pretty gross but he is so attractive yeah. for some reason and you i want wonder- yes
1: well, but i think that if he was young he was he was like, kind of like, like maybe not the the official standards of beauty, but he was still like interesting.
0: But that is it. What what is it about him that is so attractive? Because you put him next to um, uh, next to what is his Cruz, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is obviously beautiful. He's got the swagger. He's got everything. But it, it's almost off-putting in a way. And then there's this person who's objectively off-putting. <laughs> And you're good. more attracted to him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also a little bit life, isn't it? We, we are weirdly attracted to interesting people, colorful people. <laughs> and
1: uh, uh, He's certainly colorful.
0: Yeah. Do you experience that? Or you think, you think, actually, no, it's just the beautiful people. They're the ones who
1: get no, the, I and mean, the I, people we love. I think, I think what you're saying is true. Like, uh, and actually, maybe that's what... When your mom tells you, like, you're special, Maybe that's what they're talking about. It's like Maybe you don't have to be like the most beautiful, but rely on your, on your strength. And like I told you about earlier about uh, Forrest Gump, that he had like this set of tools, like this is your life. Like yeah. Do with it the most that you can.
0: Yeah, because you're saying, some people say it's not that intelligent, but he has a different intelligence. Yeah. He doesn't have the intelligence that we always necessarily value in a school, but it was his intelligence and his naivety that put him in situations where other people would have been slaughtered, and and they need, instead he was embraced for it.
1: I don't know if that's know what if you're talking. True, I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but I think that that is like you should rely on what you have. Yeah, like, unashamedly. Yeah, like like Jack Nicholson. Like maybe is it's like you're not, this you're this is not like.
0: Huh? Is, does this just succeed in movies, or that's in real life?
1: I think also in real life.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean that's how I. That's how I do it for, for my own.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that that's a good lesson to, to learn.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but this movie, like, I think that I'm a lawyer because of this movie.
0: For this really changed your, <laughs> change <laughs> your life.
1: Yeah. The next one is Hereditary. Hereditary is a movie from 2018, which I think is from the, list, uh, the latest movie. It's a horror movie. Uh, directed by Ari Aster. I watched it, this is, the reason why it's here is because this is, uh, this is the, the best theatrical experience that I've had in my life. Oh, well, Magnolia, because I watched it on my birthday, but this one, it was uh, a screening very late at night, and uh, the director introduced the movie. The whole audience, it was packed. The whole audience was like, waiting to watch the movie. And this is what movies are about, a social experience. Uh, you can watch movies at home, and that's fine. I've watched movies at home, great movies at home, but it's never gonna be like the experience of watching it with an audience. Mm. And I think that this movie, if there's ever a case to make that movies are a social experience and theaters will never go away, it's this, this type of movie, this movie in particular for me. I watched it. I. I was scared, I've only watched it once, I'm afraid to watch it again. And this movie, I watched, this is a movie about grief and how, how we experience grief in different forms. It's also a horror movie, but it's ultimately a movie about grief, and we don't know exactly because the director has not talked about the specifics, so how about it, it's certainly personal. When I watched this movie, my parents had not passed away yet, so I couldn't really connect to that the feeling of grief because I hadn't experienced it myself. But I can relate now like uh, to that kind of grief and how they talk about grief and how you can use art. The director, probably this is like a very expensive way of him dealing with this grief that he had. He just had to go and someone gave him money to make this movie. We can't all do that. But I think that what he taught me is you can exorcise your demons through the work that you do or different ways. Mm-hmm. This is something that I learned from from this movie. And it is a horrifying movie because I, I just love the experience of watching it even if it's too scary to, to do it again.
0: So, but at the time you learned, what is it you took away from it at the time? Or was it that at the time it was just a great movie and now afterwards you realized?
1: No, at the time, I mean, I was, at the time, I thought I understood it mm. because I was like, ah, oh, it's a movie about grief. Like he's exercising his demons through this story about grief that he probably lost someone who's close to him. I thought I did, but I didn't really understand it until my parents passed away.
0: Yeah. And for you, how does that, I mean, because sometimes I've been thinking about grief recently too. Um, when people say you have to feel your feelings, I can never understand what that means. Like, I, of course I feel them. And then at some point I realized, well, actually we judge ourselves for our feelings. We feel I'm feeling sad and you're like, no, I'm not gonna feel sad. I have to stand up and I have to do these things. I have to do this, I have to be productive and blah, blah, blah. But I suppose if you're making a movie about grief, you have to think about it a lot and you have to be able to not be judgmental about it so that you can put a product out there for the world to see and connect with. Because if you're going to have judgment about it, you're, it's not going to be authentic at all. Have you been able to do something about that in, in your own life with your grief, or how do you handle it?
1: Mm, it was more about experiencing it, like just realizing it. Yeah. Because when my experience with grief, and I'll talk about it in another movie, was not like really like loud like this was, it was more internal. It was like realizing that I was actually going through grief in my own.
0: Yeah, sometimes you can't even identify.
1: Yeah, like I, I actually thought I, I was done with it, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that I was not. Just actually realizing that made me, kind of deal with it in a different way.
2: Yeah,
1: and and it took months. It was not, it was not a, a simple process. Yeah. And in my case, because my both of my parents passed away like months apart. Like, they kind of like mixed together, like the grief of one passing away through the other, like yeah. it jumbled together and it was like, it was too much.
0: Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It was a- and I think when, when especially when your parents pass away, I think it's the grief over the fact that they're not there, but there's also the grief for them and their lives. And you start to see them as a person, like you are a person and you're sorry and, and sad for the pain that they went through. And you start to process also things that happened to you as a child with in relation to them. It's a and lot. And also happening. now,
1: when you have your own kids, you also see it from that point of view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is quite overwhelming. Yeah.
1: So this movie was a bit. It was all of that. All of that, and on top of that, it is a great scary movie. Yeah. Which is something that I I love.
0: Yeah, you love horror films. I love horror.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think this is the only horror movie that I put. But there are so many horror movies that I, I love. But this is a movie that I'm truly scared of.
0: But what is it about horror? I mean, do you, I mean, why do you need that feeling of being scared?
1: And that's the what thing. Do you, what I don't, do you enjoy about it? I don't really get scared. And this, the reason why I love this movie is because I get scared. Mm-hmm. I wish all of the scary movies that I watch that I love. So you many, like
0: that, you enjoy the feeling of feeling scared? In
1: this, in this movie. In yeah. the others, they don't really, some maybe amount a bit, but they don't really come to the level of this. And I guess I I just love it because it is it is intense. And it's also, I think that when you have a physical reaction, when you're watching something and you have a physical reaction, whatever it is, it connects, it makes you yeah. connect with it more. Yeah. I actually, there's many people, like my wife, when she watches even an action movie, she gets physical reactions. Like she's like <laughs> scared of things. Yeah. I don't get that. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about like. How did they do that shot? How did they do this? In horror movies, sometimes I can disassociate that and connect with it in a way that I can't in other type of movies. Mm-hmm. That's why I like it. Oh, okay. Because it's a bit... It, like, breaks down that barrier that I'm always thinking. Yeah. And I, I can connect in a different way.
0: Just as a spectator, like, Yeah. Just watching. Which
1: is what I wish I could, but I can't. Oh,
0: okay. Just because I love movies.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, it's like the... It's the, what would you call it? Like, uh, like the chicken or the egg, like did I, well, anyway. <laughs> the other movie, and we have to move a bit faster. Yeah. Amor Perros, Amor Perros from 2000 by Alejandro González Iñárritu. It's a movie also similar to Magnolia, that's many stories. The, mo- the way I corrected is also because it's about classism. And classism was a big thing because I already told you, like, growing up in Mexico, I I was socializing with a different class. Yeah. And that's something that in Mexico, there's a bit of racism, but I think the main problem in Mexico is classism. Yeah. And this movie reflects that in a, in a really good way because it tells stories about three different classes, like uh, a poor, the rich, and how they all... I, I think in every country, but in Mexico particularly, it is quite jarring how, and like the street ends, this is like street, like there's nothing, and then like there's the biggest, and at one point we had the richest person in the world who was Mexican, and they live next to each other. Yeah. That is like something that I, I cannot even comprehend, mm-hmm. but it is one of the realities of Mexico. Yeah. So this movie, Another thing that I, that's one reason, another thing that I love about this movie is that uh, it was the first movie that I remember thinking that was recognized outside of Mexico. Not only us Mexicans, we loved it, but outside. Even Tarantino talked about this movie. So it was like, oh, Mexico, Mexican film culture is being recognized, and that is amazing. Mexico has never won the World Cup. you You've had experiences with that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever feel that but Mexico we're really good at making movies and we won five Oscars for best directing almost in a row interrupted by Damien Chazelle Uh, but to me that's even better than winning the world cup when the Mexican directors won the Oscar for best director five years I was like we're unbeatable (laughs) (laughs) we can do anything that we want
0: but what do you think is it about Mexican storytelling that makes him so good at directing good films?
1: Well, I think that the way that we look at death, like the way that we celebrate death, we, the tragedy of living in a country where you have so many obstacles, maybe in that you can relate in South Africa, but me growing up, it seems that to accomplish something, you have to go through so many obstacles. So that makes you resourceful. And I think that Mexican filmmakers and the way that they tell the stories, That resourcefulness brings creativity, but also creativity that it's grounded in truth.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, uh, Hollywood movies are very often like, things doesn't always make sense to me in a Hollywood movie. People do not always react the way I would think they would react. Whereas Mexican films and also French, I think, films, it's very human. Yeah. People, People just act the way people act and things are messy. Yeah. beautiful maze.
1: And it is, it is like that that truth resonates. Yeah. So, and the good thing that Mexicans have been able to do is to tell those stories in a bigger canvas in Hollywood. Because it is okay if they tell it in Mexico. The difficulty is that maybe other people will not see it. When you have, when you're working in the biggest canvas in Hollywood, you have more resources which can be good or bad because maybe that drowns a bit the creativity. But at least in this directors specifically, they've been able to thrive in that environment. And Cuaron, for example, that directed uh, uh, Great Expectations. Then he went on to direct Harry Potter, which is the prisoner of Azkaban. Like, what can be bigger than
0: that?
1: One of the biggest movies at the time.
0: When you say the movie is about classism, what did you take away from that? That it soothes you a little bit that you're like, yes, this is life and or did they overcome it in some way? Or what was your takeaway?
1: Well, I don't know if I, because I think I still have sequels of that going on in my life, Mm. but actually my view was maybe a bit more pessimistic. Like, no, you you can't like uh, social mobility. I like, I mean, I told you about the American dream, which is social mobility. You can move between, between them. The takeaway from this film is like, no, you're confined to, yeah the social class that you are
0: when um, a few years ago so my husband's mexican and his father had the same type of experience as you he took a bus to a fancy school on the other side of town and he experienced classism severely so my husband grew up disliking higher classes like (laughs) evapiron
1: And, I relate to
2: that,
0: and I see it in his everyday life. As soon as he thinks someone is higher class, or think that they are higher class of themselves, he he feels it's not for him, or he cannot relate to them. We went to a gym once, and we were about to sign the contract, and um, he heard a Mexican person speaking in a in an accent that's from a higher class, and he's like, oh, "Okay, then this gym is not for me." And he restricted himself. It's not like the gym tried to keep him out or anyone tried to keep him out. So it's just like, oh, this is not my place in life. So, classism is also a restriction that you put on your own, it's yeah. in your own mind also to some extent, at least these days.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can relate to what you're saying, but to me it's not so much like what I've taken of it is more of an inspiration. It's like, why not? I can do it. Even though like, I know that there are so many barriers, mm-hmm. but it is something that Unfortunately, I think about like all the time.
0: Yeah, but class is a construct. It's, to me, my I grew up in such a society too. But in South Africa, the government built built housing in such a way that the government houses were scattered in between the houses that people could afford themselves, and kids went to the same school, um, and there were no distinction between. And so I. I grew up understanding that if you hold yourself higher than other people, there's something that's in your head. So I still see it like that. So for me, it doesn't even exist almost. I don't know if I'm just naive. And other people look at me and like this low-class person, she sits <laughs> here as though she's just part of this society like us, and
2: she's
1: just not. Well, I don't know what to tell you. That doesn't bother it me,
0: because it's not in my brain.
1: It's something that's in my brain all the time.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. It's so interesting. <laughs>
1: So, the next movie, Garden State, from 2004, directed by Zach Braff, that you may know him from Scrubs, which is amazing, like, how this comedy actor, like, made this directorial debut.
0: He wrote it also. Yeah,
1: he wrote it, with Natalie Portman, who, like, I think everyone loves Natalie, I I know one person who (laughs) (laughs) doesn't. But this movie has an amazing soundtrack, and this, again, is a movie about grief and mental health. I don't think I've I've had the depression that he's had, the the character has in the movie. But in the movie, I watched watched this movie when it came out and I thought that I understood it. Uh, And maybe I did to a certain extent. But when I really connected to the movie is when I flew back to Mexico for my mom's funeral. And I I don't know why. Like, uh, I don't even think I was looking for this movie. This movie came to me and I watched it. And it just represented the way that I was feeling, like numb. Like everything seemed like muted and numb, like gray, which is exactly what the character is going. And you see him like going to his old life, meeting his old friends, and then just like not being able to connect with them. Mm. That's how I was feeling when I was seeing my friends and not being able to connect with them.
0: Yeah, you couldn't I understand was, why life is going on. Like, yeah. It's not the same, but yeah. it just seems to be going on. Like, Yeah. yeah.
1: It was like that, and this movie re- like reflects that to like to a T. It's like perfect in that sense. Uh, like I, someone, a friend, his pa- father passed away, and I told him like you should watch this movie because it. I don't know if to me it really reflected what what it was, and maybe it'll help you. Uh, I actually don't know if he ended up watching it, but this movie like felt so real mm-hmm. that it felt like he was tapping into something, like something bigger. And he was able to translate that into a movie.
2: Yeah.
1: And also a great soundtrack. And Natalie Portman is amazing. The movie is now being criticized because it created this myth of the manic uh, pixie dream girl.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it was one of the first, I think it was coined because of this movie. I still love the movie. And I, I mean, I watched it not so long ago, it still holds up but now it comes with this baggage that some people don't...
0: What's the criticism?
1: That, like, the way that men, usually, like, young men, like, look at women, like, mm-hmm. they they are going to save them, and they have, like, these eccentric uh, things. It was done in movies like 500 Days of Summer. All of this criticism is being said that that's not how, actually, female characters, or female characters should be. Yeah. They're just redacted to... Pushing the hero along in their journey instead of mm-hmm. being like
0: a full-fledged own, yeah. person. Yeah. yeah,
1: which is, I am guilty, like I told you, I didn't see Jenny's character <laughs> like that, but...
0: But everyone in the movie is in the lead, I suppose, also at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I but this movie is melancholic, it is, it is uh, sad, but also sweet.
0: And it's also, it's, I suppose, when you're in depression or grief or whatever the case may be, you don't always, first, you don't recognize it for what it is. Second, you feel like you're the only person this is happening to. And when you see a movie, you're like, oh, no, 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 I am like other people. I am not a freak, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. we all sometimes feel like. That's very helpful.
2: Yeah.
1: Also, another thing about this movie that I mentioned about mental health, this movie was talking about, when, I mean, there's other movies that have done this, like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, like in the 70s. Mm. But in the newer, modern times, I think this was one of the first movies that actually addressed that. Yeah. And now, like, it's open and you can talk about it. But for a while there, it was yeah. not it was not possible.
0: And the thing is, people thought oh, mental health is when you're in a, a sanitarium and you're literally crazy, throwing things around, jumping around like a monkey, not realizing it could just be you can be a normal person going through life yeah. and struggling with it.
1: So I think this movie, in that sense, like it talks about all of these things and in that sense it was like ahead of its time. Yeah. The next movie, Pulp Fiction from 1994, with Quentin Tarantino, one of my favorite directors. I, I was thinking which movie should I put of Tarantino because all of them have been influential. But I think if I can point to one it's this, because again, it's like how stories interconnect, like many characters, There's not like a main character, I don't know, maybe John Travolta, Mm -hmm. but all of these characters living through their lives and moving through it. I think that's how I look at life. I watched this movie when it came out Mm -hmm. and I watched it again, like recently in the theater. Like, I remember every line. Uh, I remember every scene, like it was, It's just like (laughs) tattooed in my brain.
0: But I think part of the reason we remember from that movie and from his other movies is because it's this combination of really good dialogue and humorous dialogue, usually, and at the same time there's extreme violence. Yeah. So we're shocked yes, by yes, the violence, suppose, and yeah. then we hear like these funny moments, and we, we're, we're sucked in. We can't stop watching it. It's a very—I don't know if anyone else is doing that, but certainly, maybe it was copied afterwards yeah. by others.
1: But like many, after it, many people try to do it. Some to certain degree of success, but I don't think they approach what Tarantino was doing.
2: Yeah.
1: There's two things that I want to mention about this movie. One, that I, and this has been influential of this movie, but of Tarantino in general, how he takes uh, things from everywhere and he like mixes them and he creates something new. Whether it's old ideas, whether it's old movies, old characters that like he uses, for example, uh, the suit that Bruce Lee was wearing, like the bride is wearing it in Kilby, like okay. he takes all of these things and creates something new. I remember when I was in, studying in the US, I thought I wanted to say something. I had this really good professor of copyright and I thought I had come to this realization about like how you can create something new based on old things. And I wrote like this really big email and the professor was like, yeah, whatever. So, like, I guess I didn't come into something, like, big realization. But I remember thinking for days, and I was going to say something really smart to this professor. And he was like, yeah, yes, i heard yeah,
0: Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is new under the sun. Yeah.
1: But, but I've taken that because I think I do a bit about, of that in my writing. And things that I do, I take things from things that inspired me. I filter them through my way of looking at things and I create hopefully something new that is unique.
2: Yeah. When
1: I was deciding my style of writing, because I think that, that like when, you are, when you're figuring out, you're emulating other people, you're emulating, I try to emulate uh, Garcia Marquez, I try to emulate uh, any of the writers that are, uh, J.D. Salinger, all of these writers that are their own writers, and. I mean, I did a poor copy of them. It was not until I actually realized that I had my own style, and my style is a bit like Tarantino, like you mix things and create something new. That's what well, I came to see. Think.
0: I, think, I think also in music, is, there are all these different styles of music, and you, you can copy something for a little while, then you copy something else for a little while, and if you're a great musician, you'll do that for a while,
2: and then, you and then you'll out.
0: come up with your really your own unique thing that is not being taken from other places, but in a way it is because you build up to that place. It's the same, let's say with Picasso, you could do a perfectly classical painting and uh, he came up with his own style at the end of the day. Yeah, So and it's something you have to keep on.
1: And yeah. my, I mean, my style I'm still figuring out, but I think now I have like a better idea of what my style is in, creating, in writing and creating things. And it was influenced by Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, Now, they say, like, a thing is Tarantinesque. Like, I hope one day they'll say, like, like, uh, (laughs) 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 Rivesque. The other thing I wanted to talk about this movie is there's a scene where the character of Christopher Walken brings a watch to a boy, and he explains to the boy that he kept his watch to him as his right of birth because uh, his father gave it to him when they were prisoners of war. He explains all of this and how he kept it safe for so many years. And this, when my father passed away, like this kind of informed me that I kind of have to do something similar. And actually it happened to be watches also. And I didn't realize that it was, maybe the seed was planted many years ago by Tarantino. So it came full circle.
0: So you are collecting watches to pass down to your daughters?
1: Yeah because I think that that is a personal thing that you wear with you every day and you build memories with them something that they can carry with them all the time and hopefully when I'm gone they can just look at the wrist or the wrist of their loved ones and they will see it and they mm-hmm. will think of you yeah maybe a bit
0: why do you selfish. want them, yeah but you don't necessarily want them to think of you they you want them to remember your love for them
1: yeah I mean, not, yeah, not, not about me. Like maybe they'll remember a story that I told them, but that hopefully reflects how much I cared and loved them.
2: Yeah.
1: And maybe the watch will be what, not the watch per se because of the watch, even though there's artistry and there's things to the watch, but the watch will probably trigger that memory. Yeah. And be like, yeah, my father was crazy about watches and they'll think about a memory of something that I said. Yeah. And he was wearing that watch when he told me that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you you understand now that you want to be close to your parents even when they're yeah. they're away from, they're passed away
1: and also like i mean there's so many things about watches it's time it's the passage of time how things is not uh not uh, things are fleeting the mm-hmm. things are time flies like really like i remember when santana was born my oldest daughter and that was like yesterday but it's also 11 years ago yeah so that is a reminder about time and how we should Treasure, it. treasure every moment. Every moment. The other thing is that uh, um, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> but yeah, watches are like uh, are th- that kind of like time capsule. That it's is like something. Ah, uh, the other thing is that now everything is is about watches. Is that everything is like uh, the iPhone? This iPhone will be u- worthless and useless in two years. The watch will be. It can actually work forever. Yeah. It is not. It it's doesn't need electricity. Yeah. It doesn't need anything. It can work even if society collapses. Yeah. When the phone doesn't. Yeah. So it's, the watch will outlast me. The iPhone will never outlast a person.
2: Mhm.
1: So that like something romantic yeah. about that too.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the last one, uh, when Harry met Sally from 1989, also by Rob Reiner. The director Mm -hmm. of uh, a few good men Mm -hmm. have you watched this yeah you did
0: many years ago i watched it i was when it came out i was five
1: yeah so you watched watched it as a
0: as a child
1: and why did you watch it
0: we would go to the video store and there weren't many videos uh, available and we still had to hire the the video player and everything and it was just one of the things my parents chose And that's how I saw it.
1: And did you like it?
0: I did see it. And I think it, I think, it's probably the first time I saw Mick Ryan also. Mm, Who was like the, that started the idea of the romantic comedy for for me at least. I don't know if that was the beginning. So that's how I saw Also Love. It's like this, uh, as... Things work out in the end and we're, we're, you'll get together and you don't have to work at it. And Even
1: though it takes for them like many years. Many, many years. <laughs> yeah. Many, many years, many relationships and they kept coming to you.
0: I just remember, who is the, the leading man? He was Billy just Crystal. very unattractive, I thought, yeah. and couldn't understand this.
1: Who <laughs> couldn't understand why Mac Ryan would fall for Yes, him. why? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. But then that's maybe what we were talking about, Jack Nicholson. He was funny. He's funny.
0: Yeah, I didn't find him attractive. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, was a, I was not even a teenager. So.
1: <laughs> well, the reason why I love this movie is because I, uh, I love romantic comedies, which is amazing because I love horror movies. But my other favorite genre is romantic comedies. And I came to this movie because I was in my face of watching rom- every romantic comedy that came. And then like, I was looking like, what else is out there? And when I would look at the top 10 movies of romantic comedy, this one always came on top. It's like when Harry Mazzella is the standard. And I was like, I have to watch this movie to see what they're talking about. And yeah, when I watched it, it is funny because I was a teenager watching like these adult people, but I found it so I could relate even if they were old. And maybe that's why I also related because I was like, ah, Billy Crystal is not so attractive, but he can still get the women. (laughs) Maybe it was
0: very cynical. (laughs) (laughs) And... Yeah. Annoying, I felt. Annoying.
1: He's annoying in that movie. <laughs> so, but that gave us hope, like, to people like me. I'm like, yeah, maybe we can be annoying and still, <laughs> get, the still get the girl. Still get the
0: girl.
2: Yeah.
1: So this movie also, it poses the question that if a, a man and a woman can be friends. That's like the whole yeah. premise of the movie. And? Uh, so I think it can. What they
0: say? What I think it think? can. Yeah. I
1: think, and not only because of the movie, like, I thought it was possible. Actually, in the movie, she thinks it's possible. He's he's not. Uh, I think it's possible. I've had many female friends, and it is possible. Yeah. Uh, Another thing about the movie, like, there's this scene where they're watching Casablanca. Like, is in their home, and they're over the phone watching it, and it's, like, in a split screen. I remember when I was in the U.S., and my girlfriend, my wife now, was here. Like, I decided to do something similar, and we were watching a movie like, over the computer, both of us. Like, it was inspired by, <laughs> by this. <laughs> so, like, it has inspired a lot. Uh, the movie, I think, is also very, very real in in how life, like, is just long, and you have people that come and go in your life. Mm. They, they might not always be there, but, they're there when they need to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the way, yeah, exactly. The way relationships, it and flows and how it can be one thing and something else the next.
1: Yeah. yeah. And this idea of like the, the two, the two characters having like this romantic or friendship throughout the years. I think every generation gets its own movie. Like, mm. Some are better than the other. Like another one that is actually really good it's a lot like love with Ashton Kutcher and Amanda oh, yes, Yeah. It is like the next generations when Harry, Harry met, met Sally. Sally. And yeah. every generation is gonna get their own movie.
0: And what a what a title when Harry meets Sally. It's yeah. such a good title. Yeah. Yeah. And these iconic scenes are also from the movie that kind of how I saw the US, how I knew the different places. Yeah,
1: that's how I imagined that, like yeah. because of movies like this. Yeah, exactly. There is like a a scene where he's in a batting cage, like uh, talking to someone and they're like batting the thing. Like I was like, I want to go to a batting cage. Yeah, and
0: I mean, how many scenes after that we have seen of people having discussions and things in the batting cage? It became just like a normal thing that's now in a movie. Yeah, because of this movie. Yeah,
1: And yeah, like uh, it is just such a sweet movie that is like real, I think uh, it is. It talks about like these two people who have a relationship I don't know if it's love or it's friendship, maybe a bit of both, yeah. but it spans their whole lives.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is beautiful.
1: So that's the 10 movies. That is very interesting. And then I wanted to mention like a couple others that are like just brief, like Memento, yeah. a movie from 2000, Christopher Nolan's movie. It was like a magic trick. Like it was amazing in how it just did something, that, uh, telling the story in a way that we never thought how it would be told. Fight Club from 1999, uh, David Fincher. It's like he adapted a story that you didn't think it was possible to adapt. And it makes me think like, like you don't know what's possible. You can do anything that is. Not just because you think it's impossible, it's that it's impossible. Old Boy, Chuck Pang Woo from 2003. It's a Korean movie. And it's just like a weird story that just like, I don't think I could conceive it. And that is just so amazing how the world is so diverse. Like, this is something that maybe in Korea would seem normal, but like for me it's just unthinkable and that's why it's so appealing and so beautiful. And the last one, Clerks from 1994, Kevin Smith. He made this movie like in his own with his friends. and it's just like, it showed me, like, ah, you can actually do a movie. You don't have to be Spielberg and have like these big things. You can actually do your movies. And the movie that I made eventually was using the same school, like, just what you have around you. Mm-hmm. Like, my colleagues, like, Marika, you're in the movie. Yes, I'm a star. <laughs> like, the, the lake, like, oh, the Geneva lake is so beautiful, why can't I use it? Yeah. So it's like, what you have. Yeah, that's a good lesson
0: you. for life, isn't yeah. it?
1: So what you don't do have to have wait you? for
0: the perfect conditions to, to do something.
1: So, that's it.
0: Well done, Adolfo. <laughs> it's a very interesting list of movies that you have. Uh, and I think we all want to go watch some of them now. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch Great Expectations again. Yeah. Um, so, at the end of your interview, you always ask 10 questions or a few questions. We have been talking for a while, so I don't know how many we're going to do. But I'm going to ask you some of your the questions you usually ask and some that I like. Okay. Okay. Um, so tonight is the, um, the winter solstice, it's, it's going to be the longest night, tonight? tonight, Okay. and in a few days it's going to be the end of the calendar here, so it's a turning point for all of us. So what is it that you're going to keep from last year, and what do, what do you want for this new season coming, where summer is on its way again, a new year. 2023, I think we can acknowledge, was rough for us. Um, So what are you looking forward to to 2024? Do you have any New Year's resolutions?
1: No, I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions. I think because I I always fail. Oh
2: yeah?
1: (laughs) So I don't want to put any burden on that. Yeah. But what I do want to take is that uh, just like to be positive. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but I I found that it does make a difference. How does
0: it manifest? What do you mean? In your life, what does it mean to be positive?
1: I mean, when you when you are looking at things in the nega, like when you see and expect everything to go wrong, mm-hmm. it will probably go wrong. A hundred percent times, it's gonna happen.
2: Yeah.
1: If you look at things and expect the best of you and other people, and just give people the benefit of a doubt, it like maybe they didn't mean bad. Maybe yeah. they had a bad day or yeah. whatever for everyone, for you, but also for others. I think it just, it just makes things easier. And it, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm gonna succeed. I, every time I try to do it, I fail sometimes, but I think it's a reminder like, okay, just go back to it whenever yeah, you can. I
0: think that's excellent. That is a very good um, approach. Something I need to know about everyone I know you're not a massive wine drinker, but you do enjoy some wine and some champagne. <clears throat> when someone serves you wine and there's a hint of sweetness, what's your reaction? Wine, champagne, what do you think about it?
1: In champagne, I, well, any, in any, I, I like it, but if it's too sweet, I don't like it.
0: Why? Are you a snob? <laughs>
1: no, it's not that I must
0: Because know. there are very good sweet wines and you have to be able to appreciate for itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I I think it's true. But uh like the way I learned to like alcoholic drinks, mm-hmm. it was that it shouldn't be sweet.
0: So it's a, it's okay.
1: So that's just what I it's just more of a disconnect of what I expect to what I get. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's wrong, but I don't expect it to be sweet. I it's okay if it's sweet, but not too sweet. Okay. And having said that it's even a bit weird because I love cider. And yeah. cider is usually sweet. Yeah. But the cider, I guess I expect it to be, it's more about the expectations. If yeah. you don't expect it, I don't know if that no, answers your question.
0: No, it does. It, <laughs> it answers it completely. So now I'm going to go on to some of the questions you like to ask people. What's the best advice you've ever gotten?
1: I asked this from me and for others, but like I think it's the same for both. Uh, when I was going to when I was deciding if I was gonna get married or not, I thought that I, I couldn't possibly get married because I was not in the place uh, career-wise, financially-wise, that I thought I should be, to be married. Um, and there was uh, Francis Ford Coppola, a director who da- unfortunately doesn't appear on my list, he should, uh, he gave an advice that, he, he was asked, what, what advice would you give to a young artist? And his advice was marry because that will bring structure to your life, it will make you care about someone, it will create a unit, your own tribe, and then like things will start to fall into place. And I said like if Francis Coppola says this, like he must know something, he's, he's done this amazing film so he knows something. So I did it and I think it has worked out well. And it I, I felt that when I got married things started working out in ways that I didn't expect, in mm. ways that maybe I alone wouldn't have been able to do. Mm-hmm. So if I would have waited until I had money to buy the house and a car and whatever, I probably would still be waiting now.
0: It's like you said, not to wait for every, everything to fall in place before you do something.
1: And yeah. I give, I've given that same advice a couple of times. Mm-hmm. To a friend, I remember telling him, I hope it was good advice. <laughs>
0: <hope> they're still <laughs> married. What's something you wish you had known 20 years ago?
1: I put so much emphasis on doing what I thought I should be doing instead of what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, just to be who you are.
1: Yeah. and it, I know it's so cliché, but it's something that only in hindsight you can see. Like, If you could see it before, just do what
0: you want and be yourself. Yeah, but it's very difficult when you're a kid because you, you start out like that and it's drilled into you not to trust yourself and not to do the things that you want to do so that you can fit into society. And then. After that, we start um, praising the people who go uh, beyond society. So yeah. it's, a, it's a difficult one, but that is a, interesting. Um, what profession other than... Okay, we all know what profession other than you, know, you would have <laughs> liked Which to one? attend. You would have wanted to be a filmmaker yeah. or a writer. Yeah. Right?
1: Yes. But I have another one. I mm-hmm. think I would also like to be a chef.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Pineapple uh, and pizza? On pizza? Yes. Yes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you have to mix flavors. And I think that that, now I do it all the time, but that was one of the first times that I thought it was legitimate. And I think that it legitimized it for many people. So I think that's. Good.
0: I love mixing flavors. I grew up with my mom making like pork chops with um, apricots and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the, the, the taste of the. Um, Pineapple, I don't know.
1: Yeah, Italians think it's a crime.
0: <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> Drama or comedy?
1: I think comedy.
0: Who is your favorite artist of all time? Uh,
1: Steven Spielberg. He's like this amazing director that really changed the world. And he's like the ultimate like artist, I think, because he combines... I think that films is the perfect art. He combines everything. Music, uh, performances, art, paintings. Yeah everything and he's like a master of it and he changed the world actually
0: yeah okay so not so much advice but if you could recommend one thing you enjoy what is it
1: i think running oh really (laughs) yeah i i I am trying to convert people who are not runners to running
0: you also even try to convert me i'm already running and you're always telling me to. Yeah,
1: (laughs) because i love it i thought that i would about it Well, I I think that after you do it, you feel good, like physically, and it clears the mind.
0: So it's not necessarily running itself. It's the exercise, the endorphins and the exercise.
1: Well, it also gives me the time to think. Like, I do meditate in the mornings, but when else are you going to have like 45 minutes, one hour to just think? And I do it when I run. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish I could just sit in my office and think for one hour. I can't, but... So running gives me that. And it's like everything together, like a good exercise for your body. It gives you time to think. After it, you feel amazing. Like every day that I don't run, I feel like it's a wasted day. Yeah. And every day I run, I feel like I can accomplish anything. Yeah. So it's all together.
0: Well, on that note, of you being able to accomplish everything. Thank you, Rodolfo. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it. I did.
1: I did. Thank (laughs) you, Marek.
0: This was the Rodolfo. We project. I hope you love it.
2: And you dig it.